0: Hi, I'm Monique Cariel and I'm building a movement of brave leaders so that together we can tackle some of society's most fundamental needs. So I'm here to encourage you to be yourself, support you to back yourself and really help you through those practical steps to navigate your leadership and career journey to enable you to make it happen. Hi, and welcome to episode seven, Supporting You to Be Brave Part Two. This is a bonus session to the webinar series because part one of Supporting You to Be Brave, which is episode two of the podcast series if you haven't listened yet, was such a powerhouse learning experience, and we knew there was so much more we wanted to cover. We wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure that you would be provided with more practical advice and techniques to take away and use to help you have courageous conversations, because I believe this is a crucial part of being a brave leader. And wow, my special guests, Ruby Jabara Sani and Satvinder Olak really gave their time and expertise in demonstrating using a coaching technique to prepare and then have those conversations. Whether you are a manager or leader wanting to have that conversation with a member of your team or whether you are an employee or part of a team needing to have that conversation with a colleague or your manager. They really took us through how to prepare for that and they also shared so much more helping us to understand what intersectionality, psychological safety and active bystanders really mean in practice. They also spoke about managing conflict. We talk about supporting you to think about what you can do to improve inclusion at work. So I also recap the books. So for each of the sessions, I recommend a book that's helped me on my leadership journey. And listen out for me recapping all of the books that I've recommended throughout all six previous sessions in case you haven't listened to any of the other sessions before. Finally, listen right through to the end because you'll get a summary of the top takeaways and you'll also get a couple of questions and actions that even though you wasn't in the live session, you can still implement and let me know how you're getting on. If you've been with me at all on this journey, you'll know that today is a bonus, ever. But when we did session two, supporting you to be brave, wow, it was so powerful. And not just powerful, I think the, the amount of topics that came up in relation to what we were trying to cover and what Ruby was guiding us through. And we had sat with us on the chat as well. It really just kind of showed that we needed to have another session to get into this a bit more. And I'm so grateful to Ruby and Sat for giving their time, not just to be here in the room, but they've given a lot of thought into how to put this session together. So what I wanted to do is and that's why in the last session I did the recap of the series then, because I wanted to make sure we had time to I will mention a few things about the series, but really I wanted to get into the context, the background as to why. Why do I think this is so important? And if I'm trying to, if I'm saying I'm here to encourage and support you and to back, help you to back yourself and to then make it happen, why do I think it's, I want to use the word imperative. You know, why is it imperative that we get more into the subject we're talking about? I think people need support with this. And I think from what you've told me both in the chat and in messages to me that we need to get into some of this today. So I feel sad on one hand and I also feel like I'm going to have a little bit of a break for the summer in terms of coming to the end of the series. And I think last time I was saying, if you add up the time that we've had together, oh my goodness, you know, it's gone so quickly over the three months. But the richness of discussion, the honestness of people sharing has been more, so much more than I ever thought it would be when I thought about putting this together, you know. So what I wanted to talk about was remind you of the six sessions that we have had, but also the books that I recommended in each session. And Inez, I see you pop up and that's so timely because I know you're one of our book winners in the last round. But just to remind people of what we went through. And I know some of you have been listening back. Even if you were with me in the room, you've gone back and you've listened again to sessions one, to and three that are now available on my podcast. So if you remember I wanted to start with talking about mindset and I think we're ending with a conversation about mindset as well but also with some tools to go with getting your minds right because what I'm talking about and when we talk about brave leadership it's not easy you know it's not a walk in the park I honestly believe it's the best way to lead and influence and serve people but it's hard And so I wanted to really get into the first bit was about mindset. So you remember, I've got my stack of books here. The first one here was You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And I know a number of you have purchased this book, have downloaded it. And thank you, Bernie, for that feedback about being able to revisit and listen on the podcast. This is hardcore stuff about mindset and about the power of the mind and how you can defy the odds. And David gets into that. And as I've said before, I love that he's got challenges that you can follow as well. Session two was about, and I hope I remember this. Session two was supporting you to be brave part one. And we looked at how to turn stress on its head by Dr. Rani Bora. And again, lovely feedback from some of you who won the book about, and that agreement with me, this is a very practical book. But what I like about it as well, a number of us, in this space at the moment are from healthcare backgrounds or social care backgrounds. And actually the fact that Dr. Bora uses examples of challenging times in the NHS, even though it was written before the pandemic is very um, very appropriate for what people may be going through now. The third session, when remember we had the wonderful Salma Yasmeen with us and oh my goodness, you know, I'm sure you will agree with me that Salma embodies brave leadership. But what we spoke about, and Salma really spoke to us about, about knowing what you stand for and believing in that and that carrying her through her career journey. But what we looked at was this book by Renee Cariel-Spike, and I know Sat was a winner, and I know Sat's been getting into it. Getting used to talking about what you're great at. It's not a natural behaviour. People tend to shy away from saying what they're good at, but actually this really gets into knowing what you're great at, using it for yourself, but also using it so that that's your... That's your power tool. That's your superpower to help and encourage others. We then moved into the power of a conversation. And I know a number of you really welcomed hearing from Nikita Pada, hearing from a project manager and a transformation lead who's in their journey right now. And hearing how Nikita really uses her tools and techniques to deliver fantastic project management. And I spoke to you about this book, Tuesdays with Morrie, one of my favorite books. And I was saying, because, This book really tells you that life is about relationships and connections and love. And I think it applies to everything we do, how we connect with people. This is why I wanted to recommend this book. And again, I've had some lovely comments back from people who won the book. We then went to my favourite, 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 number one leadership book. Talent is never enough. And if you talk to me, everyone who asks me for a conversation, I talk to you. It connects to what you're good at. But it also, well, like I said, it's hard being a brave leader. This is about digging in. This is about, okay, you're good at this and, but what I like about it is John Maxwell, again, gives you practical insights and guidance onto what he sees. I think there are 13 different areas he talks about, but I love this book. And I love what he says about courage and taking those small steps and that can get you ready for that big opportunity. So really love this. And again, I know people have gone out and purchased and downloaded this. And then the last one was The Pressure Principle. And again, I spoke about, and if you've seen me tweet, you've see me say that um, I bought this book when I first became a director. Um, but what I would say is I went back to it. I went back to it time and time again when I was lead recovery director for COVID in my organization before I left the NHS in March. So for a year, I was the lead recovery director. Um, I chaired our large recovery meeting, which was daily at one point and then was three times a week. And I had to lead the design, the governance, everything the trust was doing about recovery and response in that space. And I went back to this book because that was a deep pressure situation. And it really was about holding my nerve, remaining calm under pressure, but going back to some of the techniques that I knew were in this book. So I, was, I really wanted to recommend this book very timely. But again, you'll hear me say the same thing There's a common theme here. All of these books give practical insight. There's lots of academic stuff out there. I don't disagree with it. You've heard me say that before, but I want this series to be about practical insights and advice, stuff you can take away, and that is gonna help you to take action and to be a better leader. Okay, so those are the six books, and I know Ruby's been keeping up with me in the chat to just say um, those titles. I will also put it in the follow-up email. Oh, Eva, you, Eva, do share with us what your thoughts are on it, and maybe what, what some of your takeaway phrases or lines or your favourite chapter from the book is as well. I'd really like to know that. So, what I want to connect to now to bring us into talking about today was, if you remember you may, you may not remember, when we did session two, supporting you to be brave part one, what I asked people for, the takeaway action was, what one thing can you do to support inclusion at work, all right, and that's what Ruby asked you about, and when we had session three, at the beginning of session three, some of you fed back with that, and I'm just going to read out very quickly a couple of the things that were fed back, but I also want to ask you again today, from that episode whether you joined us live or whether you listen to the podcast if you have if you have done anything or if you're thinking about what you can do what is the one thing you can do to support inclusion at work do share with me in the chat what it is you've done or what it is you're thinking about doing or what you're going to do but I'm just going to share some of the actions that people took from that session someone joining their sector-wide LGBTQ plus network Someone supported a staff member in their apprenticeship journey. Someone felt empowered to speak about what was happening at that time to Palestinians. And I think that was very live in the press at that time. And they added the point as well that they felt empowered to do that without feeling anti-Semitic antisemitic or, or having a fear of being judged. And I think that's really very courageous actually, to do that. Someone else spoke about um, raising awareness of unconscious bias and giving colleagues guidance on how to manage their own biases. Also, someone said about teaching the next generation of HR leaders. Um, And the other thing that someone said as well was having the confidence to step forward and ask for um, recognition about what had happened to George Floyd in their organization. So I think all of those are such wonderful examples. Number one, of being brave but all of those would have taken courage to be in that space and to do it, whether it's a conversation or an action, but also really taking on what we're saying here. You know, not we're all accountable to ourselves in this space, isn't it? So I really appreciate people taking action. So if there's anything else anyone has done, please do share it in the chat. And as we go through, I will read those out. But to move us into today's session, because I want to make sure I give Sat and Ruby enough time. Okay? So today, As I said, this is a bonus. We're carrying on from supporting you to be brave. And yes, it's true Ruby, micro actions lead to micro macro change. I like the way you You said it much more simply than the way I've said it. Um, But when we had uh, part one, I'm just gonna read it out to make sure I remember what Ruby covered. Ruby covered how to challenge constructively. She covered creating safe spaces. She spoke to us about the inclusion agenda much more broadly as well. But as I said, there were a number of things we didn't get into. I also have some unanswered questions from the last session. So we had some big, big questions. I remember Ruby had about 22 questions um, and you got through most of those and some of them were really hard hitting. But we had a few that we didn't get to that I know the the, what you're going to cover today will pick that up. But what I wanted to pick up on was the context. So, you know, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about um, intersectionality. And I know we're gonna have a conversation about that. We're talking about racism. We're talking about discrimination in many forms. This is live and this is now. And it feels like to me, whilst there's more space to talk about those things, there's also more discrimination being voiced and more discrimination present than ever. And that's concerning. But what it tells me then is that people are going through this more and more at the moment. And we need to address that. We need to address it. And we hear people always saying, you know, we need to rise up. You need to speak up. You know, it's not just about a black square. It's not just about liking a post. And all of that is true. I'm not disputing that. But when you do choose to speak up, if you were with us last time, you heard from morenike about that feeling of that fear of speaking up that fear of reprisals if you speak up, that fear of consequences if you speak up, that fear of isolation if you speak up, that fear of being targeted if you speak up. And that's why I've wanted to focus on that support and guidance for you about, and I don't wanna say too much because I know Sat is gonna guide you through this when he talks to you, but that's why I want to focus on this today to say, we do need to rise up, but the struggle is still very, very real. And I want to talk to you in the context of that. You will be working in environments that may be hostile. You'll be working in environments where you may have lots of allies and it's fine. You may work in an environment where you think it's fine and wham, something happens and it catches you by surprise. You may not even have any issues to do with discrimination, but you may be having challenges around just moving forward in your career and feeling courageous in that space. So I really wanted to kind of get into that to explain this is why I think it's important that we cover what we do today. So I do want to now just remind you, you may remember, and if you've listened to the podcast recently, you remember my introduction to Ruby and to talk to you about, you know, and I call Ruby a powerhouse, and I think it's true. And I think Ruby is an inclusion champion, you know? And she doesn't just, it's not just about Ruby's expertise, it's also about Ruby's approach to taking action, Ruby's approach to supporting people. And, you know, and Ruby's CV speaks for itself. So I don't want to embarrass you Ruby, I'm just speaking the truth. But, you know, Ruby's combined expertise, I think, of equality, diversity, inclusion, and organizational development development and learning is very, very powerful because she doesn't just know what's needed. She also knows about the different ways to bring that about to people, to guide people through that, to lead organizations through that. And my experience of working with Ruby was in an organization where she was absolutely driving the agenda And we had a question last time where Ruby was found that path and she nailed that path right up to the boardroom and secured funding and secured commitment for the organization to take action. So I think Ruby's credibility to speak to us in this space, but Ruby's approach to how she works with you really, I'm so grateful that she's here with us again. And I'll say, and I will welcome Satvinda to join us here in the room today rather than being on the chat we needed you I was saying Sat I need you here on the panel there's so much you can add to this conversation you know and I met Sat Vindafri working with him as well in the same space as Ruby but Sat's passion and you'll hear and you'll tell is about leadership development is about coaching and I remember Sat one thing what I loved about when I worked with you Sat was it you would listen and you would give um, expertise and guidance, but you'd also make it really practical. You'd always want people to walk away from a conversation with a real idea and confidence to take action. And you always made me feel, even as a senior leader, when you were working with me, that confidence to take action in the way that you were advising or guiding. You know, And again, you brought a different flavor into the organization and you had a lot of confidence to do that when it may not have been the norm, of the way we do things around here. You know, you really stepped out and pushed the agenda. And I know some of the things that you brought about in the time you were there are still going on now. So I really wanted you here. I wanted you here as well, because if you don't know, Sat also is a social worker by background and spent a number of years educating and training people in that field. And I'm just starting a systemic coaching course. And if anyone on the call is from a social work background, you know that systemic coaching is very common and is a very common practice in social care. But I think it's very um, appropriate for leading people in where we are now and working with people. And that phrase we say, isn't it? Seeing people where they are, meeting people where they are, understanding things from their eyes. I think that the background in social work and the training and education that we have really, really sits with that. So Sat, I'm so grateful that you're here as well. And both of you have very busy jobs. Both of you have very high profile jobs. Both of you I know are trying to target leaders in your organization and trying to support them as well. So Sat, I want to give you some time to share your story yourself because I know there's so much to say there and then we can get into the main part of today. So welcome and let me give you some time.
1: Thank you, Monique. Firstly, I'm very humbled to be here. Thank you for inviting me here. And good evening, everybody. Um, my name's Satvindrollack, and as Monique has said, my role is I'm the leadership development lead at Buckinghamshire Healthcare and HS Trust. I also lead on coaching, and um, I also am the LGBTQ Plus Allies Network Chair. So um, my role is very, very diverse. In terms of my career story and my spikes and my barriers, to be honest with you, I'd be here with you till about seven and none of you would want that. So it's gonna be very quick. As, as kind of Monique said, I'm a qualified social worker. I was born and bred in Wolverhampton, very proud of it. I've made a few friends because of it as well. And also I've suffered some microaggressions. So it's kind of been, been both ways, which has been fab. Um, worked in child protection, care proceedings. I did a lot of court work. You know, I worked a lot with sex offenders and pedophiles, really enjoyed the work kind of what I did in social work and managing social work. And, and I think like Monique said, even at that time, leaders, to develop leaders through coaching and mentoring was so crucial in social work because it, it was very much around having the theory, but how do we apply it to practice? Anyway, after that, I decided I wanted to teach. So I did my teaching degree, taught an undergraduate course at Wolverhampton City College, really loved it. And you know, an accent came out there and I just really loved it. I miss it sometimes, the Midlands. Anyway, really enjoyed that. Um, And then what I decided to do, I worked for Queen Elizabeth Hospital Birmingham. And my famous moment was where, when I worked for Queen Elizabeth Hospital Birmingham, some of you may know this, um, it's a military hospital. And Prince Charles walked past, it was really hilarious because that was quite regular there. And David Beckham really enjoyed that. Managed um, a training team, leadership development, organizational development has been a passion of mine, as Monique said, really enjoyed that. Worked in clinical commissioning groups, did a lot of work around how to manage conflict in teams, how to have courageous conversation how to use coaching to unlock potential. One of my roles also now is I supervise coaches as well who are actually being coached. And a lot of themes that are coming out of it post-pandemic is around how do we manage emotions? How do we manage our own emotions to manage people? But we're going to speak about this a little while, more in a little while. So after that, worked for cl- clinical commissioning groups, Really enjoyed my time there. Again, as a senior trainer and a leadership development coach, really embraced the opportunity to be at HRCH with Monique, Ruby and the team and really, really enjoyed the work of taking kind of training forward, looking at leadership and kind of setting up coaching, which was fantastic. And now I'm based at Buckinghamshire Healthcare NHS Trust actually leading on coaching and and as I said, you know, development and all of that. And I think some of my spikes would be in a nutshell for you would be around managing change, managing attitudes, and how to promote compassionate leadership. So these are some of the things that we're gonna be covering today. And I think this has been the journey of my development in, in organizational development and learning. I think in the King's Fund, and one of the things that Michael West says in his his leadership journey, some of you will know about Michael West, who did a lot of work around leadership. It's very very difficult to understand leaders' intentions because we all come from different perspectives, different authentic backgrounds, and that's important and that's key, but how do we ground ourselves on a day-to-day basis to ensure the emotions that we're transferring is not causing anybody difficulties or problems and circumstances and that's a journey yeah mm-hmm. and that's how we kind of do that so mm-hmm. this is kind of my role and I'm, I'm really pleased to be here today. Thank you, Monique. Thank
0: you. Thank you, sir. I think you've touched on so many things already and I know we've had pre-conversations about it and you know, I can feel myself nodding when you were just speaking now, cause it's so true. And I think what's important as well is this isn't abstract, is it? We're trying to take account of the environments that people are working in at the moment and how people are feeling. And I think that's important. So I know one of the things that I've always said um, is about I like to keep it simple or make the complex simple and I know one of the things that I try to do is use simple language but I don't always succeed in that I've, I've been so ingrained in a 20-year career in the NHS of using jargon or using buzzwords yeah. and sometimes I use those words deliberately because I, it would unlock things with people at the top and buy me space to do things where I wanted to. But I also know it's a dangerous space because you can lose people, can't you? And and sometimes people don't feel comfortable to say, what are you talking about? So I know that we wanted to just spend a few minutes. I wanna give you and Ruby a few minutes because I know you wanna just take us through some, I know there are some buzzwords that are being used at the moment in the inclusion space that I definitely know I don't fully understand. So do you wanna take us through that?
1: Yeah, shall I just um, start off by saying to you, one thing that we're going to explore now is something, the concept of clean language. So what clean language means is it's using words and phrases to extract other people's opinions. And that's a really positive way to empower people to use their thoughts, their ideologies around anything. Over to you, Ruby.
2: So I think the, the, the word that has been used most commonly at the moment, um, especially with what's been happening with Black Lives Matter um, and knowing how the impact of COVID, what it's had, proportionally it has a worse impact on people from minority to ethnic backgrounds, is the term intersectionality. And we hear this all the time. So. It, <laughs> I'd like to just get a little bit of an understanding of what your perception, what you think intersection ima- intersectionality means for you. And then I can give you a bit of a definition of my understanding of what that is. So does anyone, can you put it on the chat function, please? What What does intersectionality mean in the context of your organization and where you work?
1: So You just may want to type some words that just prompt yeah. you know, what intersectionality and any words that. If I say to you, intersectionality, what draws up to your mind? Yeah. If you start typing. And if you're not sure, you, it's
2: OK, because yeah. it's only recently that I started looking into it and trying to understand what it is. Interactions between people. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Kamal. Anyone else? Uh, not heard this term before. Good to know. Good to know, Isaac. Thank you. Okay. Very simple point is the groups that define you and ooh, and how they may intersect. Yes, and have different oppressions on your on you. For example, being a black person and a female. Absolutely, that's exactly it. So intersectionality is, is a social framework concept that was developed in the late 1980s by a lady called, uh, an American lady, she was an activist in America. Her name was Kimberly Grenshaw and she coined and, uh, that, that whole term. And really what it is, is about how the different social identities interconnect and how they relate to each other. So for example, you've got a, a black woman And she feels discriminated against, for example. But it's not because she's Black, because her organization don't discriminate against Black men. There's senior Black men in the organization. You know, they're quite diverse. And it's not her gender, because they don't discriminate against white women. But what it is, it's a combination of the fact that she is a female, a woman, and she's Black. And that experience together creates a whole different Uh, perspective. So intersectionality forces or encourages organisations to look and address the experiences of people, their staff, in terms of discrimination and how they feel, um, and bullying and harassment and all of those types of things, but looking at it from different lenses. And intersectionality also doesn't just look at the nine protected characteristics that the Equality Act look at, it looks at other things. That you could be discriminated against. So your, your height, your social class, how you dress and how those experiences mix together to create a different uh, advantage or a disadvantage for some groups. So that, that's, that's how we define intersectionality.
1: Yeah and I think the other thing about intersectionality is, is just be conscious it's also double and triple jeopardy. Yeah. So what we mean by that is that as, as a person from the LGBTQ community and being from a BAME and a disabled, you will suffer double, triple jeopardy. So being conscious of that in the work field is really important. You don't want to be boxed, but you want to be conscious that you come from those intersectional lens, as Ruby has said. So the word for me then, and um, what I want to just mention is, is psychological safety. So if I was to say psychological safety to you now, what words come up? Just please type any words. If you want to start now. Any words, anything? Confidence.
2: Confidence.
1: Yes, Tahira. Like that, Tahira. Yeah, looking after yourself, absolutely. Being able be to be able... vulnerable. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Debriefing, well-being, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah having your guard up, being vulnerable. Yeah, it can be, absolutely. Mental stability, safety to speak my view without being punished, absolutely. Freedom to express yourself without fear of reprisal, excellent. Mm -hmm. Supported to speak freely, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of key terms there and well done for them. And actually all of them is correct. But in a nutshell, psychological safety is about how can you feel safe? in a safe space to you and we've got to be careful with psychological safety sometimes because it's what's safe for you as an individual it may not be safe for me but it needs to be safe for you now those can be networks but actually not always not all networks are safe for everyone because they're not feeling safe in those networks and if they're not there's something about the networks then that we need to look at it might be in an environment where you feel that's right for you so you know, the, the main philosophy, and, and there's many theorists around psychological safety, is about being psychologically safe to be your authentic self, to be able to speak without reprisal, not to feel punished. Now, that's a very a, a big word, really. So feeling punished. Immediately, when we look at clean language, when, you, when you're feeling that you are punished, and there's a few people that saying that, psychological safety would say, you're not happy in that current kind of environment. What do you need to do about it? Because feeling punished is something that you're feeling. So, being psychologically safe is about feeling safe and it's about being yourself and it's about talking and being expressing yourself, however, you want to do that. And it can be a journey, it might not be something that you get there straight away, but it's about using the necessary channels to get there. Yeah. What I'll add to that as
2: well is in in the previous sessions that we had, we spoke about support toolboxes your support, who's in your support toolbox. And actually when it comes to psychological safety as well, there's much of a responsibility on the individual as there is on the line manager and in the organization too. So it would be, sometimes it's great to just take a step back and reflect on, well, what's my responsibility in ensuring that I am safe? What's my organization's responsibility and and my team's responsibility? Um, and, And look into your toolbox to identify those people that you feel safe and comfortable to speak to, to advise you on how to navigate around that.
1: And I think something that I would suggest you to do before just going on to the next one is, in a practical level, go back to your organisation and just reflect on how you can feel psychologically safe. And if you're not feeling psychologically safe, how can you be that change agent to promote yeah. psychological safe environments? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe you need coaching for that, and that's okay too. Yeah. So the next one is an- another clean language word for you to type anything that you want is active bystander. Anything. So if I say active bystander to you, what comes in your mind? Really like what people have said already. It's really good. Yeah. Isn't it? Really good. Very powerful stuff. Well done. Energy. Excellent. Energy. Mm, I like that.
2: Yeah. Having a voice. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Very important to have. Think, power.
2: think of a situation. How many of you have been in, in a circumstance where you may have heard, seen, felt something's not right here?
3: Mm-hmm
2: what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is not doesn't sit well with me but because of that fear of shall I shall I not say something how do I how can I what do I say Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that then materializes in that in that situation and Mm -hmm. and for that individual sometimes the the bystander Mm -hmm. the person who's by watching can have more of an impact than the person who's aggressing Mm -hmm. if that makes sense so Being brave, whistleblowing and being comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being there for the vulnerable person speaking up. Yes. And and active bystander doesn't mean that you see something and you go, right, that's it. I'm um, guns blazing. It could could mean supporting that individual. Mm -hmm. It could mean raising it somewhere in a meeting to highlight that this was incorrect and this was wrong.
1: Um, So there's different ways of speaking Mm -hmm. up about those things. Absolutely. And and I think, Ruby, that's such a good point about. So there's an active bystander and there's a passive bystander. And again, there's a lot of theories around this. Now, this is something that Monique has promoted all in her webinars about how do we be brave? How can we be constructive? How can we have those courageous conversations? Mm
3: -hmm. And actually
1: having those courageous conversations is actually being that active bystander to also say, right i need to be part of this solution which may be that you speak to the victim you support the person to have a courageous conversation or you feel confident enough to say to somebody can i have a quick chat with you did you realize how you came across we don't need to go guns blazing but we need to be an active bystander at times to remind people of their behaviour, because sometimes you don't know. Now, some of you may be thinking, and I get that too, easy said than done, because it's Mm. not an easy task. Mm. We need to be conscious of that. It's Mm. a journey, and it's about having that support to get there. So this is an actual model immediately in clean language that you've identified for you to perhaps read on and take back with you around If you're a person who struggles with managing conflict, there's something about reflecting on how can I become an active bystander? Now that may mean you need some coaching, you need some training, and you need some support to get there. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank Thank you
0: you very much. Thank you. And I know Sat you've almost segwayed us, haven't you, into what we said we wanted to do now. So just taking on what Sat has just said about this isn't easy and you may need help, but it's the start of a journey. Or I know the other situation may be a different way when you have stepped forward and it's blown up or it's, it's really gone left. It hasn't gone the way you expected. And as much as Ruby and Sat can, can talk and guide, and I know you do this in your day job all the time, I wanted them to I was pushing them to say, what can we do though? That is, I really want people, I use the term, I want people to have, start building a courageous conversations checklist. That was the term I used, wasn't it? I want people to start having, you know, we've started to give some of those things and some of those tools in the toolbox, but I feel that we need a little bit more. I'd like people to have a little bit more. And I can see the way the chat has just blown up. I can see that whilst there's some understanding of what this is and people have are aware of what it means, active bystander, I can also see some people looking at the comments, I get the sense that they have spoken up in situations and I can also see, and I can see a point here where maybe someone hasn't. So what I want to, and tell me if I should stop now and you're gonna take it from here, But I know we've got a bit of time where Sat and Ruby are going to actually go for a practical
1: exercise. So should I hand over to you two? Yes, please. So firstly, I just wanted to speak briefly, Monique, just about conflict and brief tips on how to handle it. So one of the reasons why I'm here is because just brief tips on what we kind of educate people and our organisation around how to manage conflict. If you're in a situation where you need to have a courageous conversation, before you have it, you need to think of the following. Do I need to have this conversation? Do I work with these people every single day? Are they in my space? Is this affecting my life? That's the first thing. Secondly, am I psychologically safe to do it? What is my mental state like? Am I in the adult, parent, adult or child state? from Eric Byrne, transactional analysis, very, very important. Why is this key? What Eric Byrne says is when we're in that child state, our behavior is very much childlike. We're angry and we're annoyed. Now, if we're in that behavior and we're approaching a situation where somebody else is angry, we're going to go round and round in circles and we're not going to draw a conclusion. So it's very important to look at your own state of mind. The second thing, It's about looking at emotional intelligence as well. Daniel Goleman did a lot of work around emotional intelligence. And that's about how do I manage my own emotions and how can I manage the emotions of others? What might that mean? Actually be conscious about my tone, my body language. How am I coming across? How is that person gonna perceive it? How are then they gonna come across to me? And actually even planning it because sometimes it's not the right time to do it as well. So then when you're having that courageous conversation, just think about the following brief points. If possible, never have a conversation in front of others. It's perceived as rude and others will find that offensive. Try and find a separate room. If you don't feel safe and it's gone further than that, then I would suggest you have representatives. But if you just want a courageous conversation, find a separate room. When you go into that room, have some very brief working agreements. What I mean by that is we're gonna listen to each other. We're gonna respect each other. We're gonna be conscious about each other's tone. And I think something that Monique said to me the other day I really liked, which was listen to understand. And that's really, really important, yeah? Then after that, when you're having that conversation, always have solutions. If you haven't come out of a conversation, without solutions, even if they're really small, you haven't achieved, yeah? So a really key kind of point around how we do that. And I think to demonstrate that a little bit further, one of the things that me and Ruby are gonna do in a little while is do a coaching conversation for you via GROW. Now GROW stands for Goal, Reality, Options and Wrap Up. and. John Whitmore et al did a lot of work around GROW. Now GROW is a very simple coaching tool. A lot of you would have heard of GROW and may have used GROW, but equally it's how you use it to kind of deal with a lot of different situations. NHS staff would know that in the Francis report, one of the things that was really key about how do we unlock potential? And there was a lot of less coaching used. So we always promote coaching and a growth stance in order for us to do this. Yeah. So, Ruby, are we ready for that? I am
2: ready. So I'm just going to paint a little picture scenario um, that I'm going to explain. And Sat is going to coach me through this. Um, So I've got a bit of a challenge, I work in an organization, I've been there for many years, over six years, and um, I've had appraisals every single year, and I've been told by my management that I've got all the skills, I've got all the competencies that I need to get, you know, the manager role that I want. And I'm noticing all my colleagues in my team are developing and moving on, but I'm still stuck. And I, I don't know how to approach the conversation because I've discussed it several times, but I've just been so upset about it and noticing everyone else moving forward. And I'm still stuck. I can't help but think, is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm a, I've got kids and I'm not, you know, there's a concern about my commitment? Is it my, my colour? I don't know what it is, but it's really frustrating me and it's impacting how I interact with people at work.
1: Great, Ruby. Thank you. Now I'm going to exaggerate a bit here and look at T grow. But the reason why I'm doing this is for your benefits. I'm going to go through each of the models so you can then use it. So it's really important for you to know that. So when you're looking at grow, the tea is really important because you need to define the topic and you'll see how quick coaching can be. T is something new than grow, but defining the topic is really important because if you define the topic, then the coaching situation is better. So I'm gonna start with tea with Ruby. So actually Ruby, what do you want to achieve from this coaching session? What do you actually want to achieve?
2: I wanna get some maybe suggestions or tips and tools on how I can have this conversation because I'm very anxious about it. I'm worried that if I raise it again, it's just gonna put a spotlight on me more than it needs to be. Okay. Um, So I want to know how I can approach this. Fantastic.
1: That's great. Okay, so you want tools. You want you want to know how you can approach this in a constructive way. Yes. Not to cause any more difficulties for you. So what are your options to approach this in your current situation in terms of your tools?
2: I can either email my manager. I can ask her to have a meeting to discuss it. Good. Um, I'm thinking maybe I can speak to some of my colleagues so, um, so let's
1: let's let's kind of stick to one or two perhaps here Ruby so now I'm going on to tea and I'm looking at the goal yeah and I've looked at options around and I'm defining the options to three why if there's too many then it, it can go everywhere so Ruby you said maybe email your manager and which one were the others uh, to
2: call her give her a call to give um, her a call, and it's her email, call, and what was the third? And the
1: third, maybe speak to her,
2: escalate it upwards. Okay, escalating.
1: So, what do you think the email could achieve, Ruby? Do you think that that's a good one to do? Or well,
2: not? I'd be more comfortable with the email because I can just put my words on 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 paper. How do and... you think
1: she could interpret that, Ruby? Well, she might misinterpret some of the, what I'm trying to say. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. OK. So talking to her, what would that achieve if you talk to her, do you think? I think she may be able to sense how I'm feeling. Good. So what do you think we could stick to? Just for the attention of the panellists, I'm not making any decisions. Here. I'm giving it all to Ruby. So what should we stick to, Ruby? What do you think? I think it's to? probably the, the best impact would be to give her a call.
2: So okay. drop her a, an email, say, I'd like to have a meeting with you to discuss.
1: OK. So, you're gonna have, so are you going to have some dates to hand to perhaps give to her as well at that stage?
2: Yes, I probably. Yeah, I will do that, too. Yeah.
1: OK, OK, fantastic. So let's let's put this into context a bit. Let's give some dates. When are you going to do this? When would you say? Um,
2: I can probably do it by the end of this week, by Friday. I can Friday. drop her an email. Any particular time? Um, I'll have to look at my diary, but probably in the morning. OK, On Friday morning, I can send her an email. Okay, what time, Ruby? Maybe on Friday morning?
1: Um, Looking at my diary now, let's just say 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock let's summarize this now Ruby so you came to me you needed some support because you want to speak to your manager about development you know you want to go higher up in your position you know it's your appraisal you want to find out how up higher up you can go you're a bit worried because you've already had this conversation you want to know which direction it can go to but the options that you've decided is instead of emailing her how it could be interpreted you'd rather give her a call for for her to kind of speak to you around a range of date and time to move this forward and we've wrapped it up by saying you're going to do it this friday around about 10 o'clock how does that feel for you now it feels good that i've got you know a plan
2: but i'm still i don't know how i'm going to articulate my frustration
1: so how are you going to manage those emotions how how so there's there's an emotion there as well ruby let's make a decision around how do you think you could manage how could you manage those emotions what can you do
2: maybe write down what it is that's bothering me
1: what i've noticed good
2: um how it's bothering me so how it's impacting me good what i'm fearful of
1: are you going to do that prior or before the conversation? I think it
2: would be best to do it prior so it's okay. out on paper and then e- that might help me structure what it is that I
1: want to say. Excellent. So there you go. So, what Ruby's decided is because the other important aspect is managing those emotions are so key in, in, in coaching. And, you know, there's lots of coaching models out there. So, there's John Whitmore, there's a Disney model. You may want to Google it, there's an Oscar model. There's lots of models out there, but managing the emotions in all of those models, I would suggest for you to do. Do not, well, make, I... do not make coaching an onerous subject. Call it a coaching conversation. That's how you'll be able to achieve it. Sorry, Ruby. No, I
2: was just going to say um, in that kind of scenario, um, in any scenario that's challenging, there, there has to be some sort of feedback that needs to be given right hmm. so a- another um, kind of model that i use regularly and i think i alluded to it in the last session the last previous session but it's it, it's b o f f it's called the boff principle so you when you think about it what you want to think about is well the b stands for behavior so what's the behavior that you're that you're noticing what are you observing yeah. so in this situation i'm observing all my colleagues are developing They've got appraisals on a yearly basis. I don't have to have to fight to get an appraisal or a meeting with you. You know, that's the situation. What's the outcome of that behavior? That's the O. How does that make you feel? And how do you think that makes maybe the team then feel if you're feeling this way? How does that impact the the wider uh, environment? And when you're speaking to this individual, think about what support or what you would like to see in the future so be clear about what it is that you want explore that you know I want some training I've got all the training in the world as am I not applying it into practice so I want opportunities to apply that into practice Um, so think about those so the boff principle sometimes helps when giving feedback and helps you identify those areas that you need to think about and reflect on a little bit more
1: but when you're thinking about coaching, just be conscious about one thing. Keep it simple. Have a coaching conversation, but have an outcome and have a review of the coaching. It's OK to say, come back to me for another chat. Let's have a look at it. And I think there's lots of models, the buff that Ruby mentioned, John Whitmore. Keep it simple and start on that journey to coach. Thank you, Monique.
0: So thank you very much. What I wanted to just connect on with that is, are you saying to, are you saying to us, because I was listening and learning as well, that we could use what you've just guided us through, both in a situation where, um, as Ruby was saying, Ruby had an issue. So as an individual, Ruby had an issue that she wanted to bring up with her manager and, you were guiding using a coaching conversation to help her unpick her approach to it are you saying then that people can use the coaching conversation approach in all different scenarios of courageous conversations so it can be the situation and what i'm trying to think it can be the situation where you're managing you're trying to manage a situation upwards or you're managing a situation with someone in your team as well, like who you may be managing. Am am, am I right, Satya? Yes.
1: So, yeah, so I would briefly say to that, use transactional analysis because you firstly need to know the state of mind that you're dealing that conflict with. That's really important. You need to know whether the person's in the pet, the app, the parent, the adult or the child state to be able to have that conversation. Now, in order to have that courageous conversation, what I would suggest to you is, Use grow, yeah, use grow as a model, but then also use, there's lots of models out there. There's Transactional. there's Batari's box. There's lots of things that you're able to use to have those courageous conversations. But Monique, what I would say in a nutshell to that is, if you're having a conversation, you need to be clear around what are you upset about or what do you need to address? How do you need to address it? And what outcome do you want to achieve? And I think keeping it simple and just having those three to four things is just enough. We can use Daniel Goleman. We can use transaction analysis. We can use Grow. But I don't want people to fathomly think, right, I've gone on. Oh, now, I've gone on. Oh, no, yes. we need to be quite clear, transparent in terms of what we do. Can I suggest to people do access coaching before? Having a coaching or a conflict resolution conversation, because sometimes it helps you to reflect.
0: And would you say, so just building on that, Sam, we are going to open the floor for questions. So I'm not hogging it. I just want to make sure that what you're saying to us is landing clearly. Um, And when you say about accessing coaching, obviously you've given us a really quick whistle stop tour on how to use some coaching approaches. When you say, think about accessing coaching, can that be? coaching conversation for yourself before you go and have your courageous
1: conversation yes yes Yes. and can yes absolutely and can i just promote the leadership academy nhs staff have free coaching you can access it you can contact them your local leadership academy will give you that
2: i think just sorry i was just going to say just to add to that monique you're absolutely right so the, the the coaching model is not only can it be used on yourself yeah. to reflect on that situation, but yeah. if you're a leader or a manager or someone who needs to manage yeah. a team, then that can be used to unlock that potential in in, yeah. in, in, in those people that you manage that you need to support. Yeah. So it works both ways.
1: And try and also build a coaching culture in your organisation. And that's about using those very basic techniques and absolutely right somebody's mentioned coaching will help you set the scene and the time of voice and that's what it actually is thank you for that thank you that's
0: that's really helpful and I suppose where I'm coming from as well is to say this is not saying everybody's got to run-off tomorrow and become a coach that's not what we're talking about here what we're talking about is using coaching techniques
1: yeah absolutely are a
0: great way to enable you to have courageous conversations and to use that checklist. I know Sat went through it really quickly. I did write it down and I promise you, I'm going to try, even if I can't get a full email out to you, I will get an email out with the stuff Sat has taken us through ASAP because there were some really good about preparing for the conversation yeah, yeah. as well, wasn't it? It's not just about the tool, but also that yeah, preparation yeah. of the scenario. Am I allowed to ask one more question before we open the floor? What happens if, you know, when you go through your checklist and you realize, mm, it's not right, you know, my state of mind isn't right, or the space isn't right, I, this, I can see this isn't right what 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 would you advise to do if it's you can see you you go through your checklist
1: and it's not quite right yeah. what do you do I mean there's two things there firstly nipping it in the bud is really important because if you don't that that's it that it will fester it will continue but equally as a person you've addressed that you're not emotionally right to have that conversation so my advice Monique would be don't have it. Now, if the reciprocator says, well, why didn't you speak to me about it before? Be factual, that's another point. Say to the person, I wasn't in the right state of mind. I was trying to compose myself before I come to you and have that conversation. Thank you.
0: Okay, so there's quite a lot that you've given me. You've given me a job and a half now to try and do just top takeaways. But before we get to that, we have got some time for some questions. Now, i um, doing this slightly differently because if you think about it, normally on the previous sessions we've had, we've heard quite a lot more from our special guests about them and their journey. And then we've had lots of questions that relate to that. Because we've run a different session today, first of all, I want to open it up to say, does anyone have, I know I was cheeky and jumped in with a few questions myself, but does anyone have any questions that they would like to ask Ruby and Sat in terms of what you just heard. And remember what we say, this is a safe space. No question is a silly question. If that went over your head, please say so. If there's anything you didn't understand, please say so. If anyone's brave enough to share that they're gonna pick up and take action, please say so. But any questions, but also I'm still open because we did have a lot of questions before. If anyone has any questions for Ruby and Sat as well around inclusion more broadly, and also around coaching more broadly, because we've spoken before about whether coaching is a development tool for you to consider now, and I know some people you but also sat spoken to us from the other side of the fence about maybe starting to upskill yourself with some coaching tools and techniques too. So I really just wanna open the floor to see if there's any questions. And of course, if you have comments, please give them, but if you do have any questions, can you put them in the Q and A for Tia? Please? Thank you. Now I'm gonna put you both on the spot a little bit because again, you both, while we're just waiting to see some questions come through, hands at me if any do come through. I, I, I know you're both leading the inclusion agendas in your organization or very much involved in that I know you're chairing a network as well, but I just wanted to give a little bit of space as well. We've had some questions before about um, where, what should organisations be doing right now? If I if I say it as simply as that, you know, and people, some people thinking the organisation should sort everything out yesterday. Some people thinking that no, it's great. But at least we've got a network. Just wanted to ask that question to say, what's your views on where organisations should be at the moment with moving the inclusion
2: agenda
1: forward? Ruby,
2: yeah. Um, so I think the first thing in any organization, is, the, is looking at what the gaps are. What is it that your staff are telling you? And if your staff aren't telling you anything, then what do you need to do to create those spaces so that, and avenues for them to be able to tell you that? Uh, you cannot underestimate the power of someone's lived experience and how that impacts their performance and the service that they offer whatever that product is, whatever that organization that you work in. So I, I would start from there. And then I think when you then look at that data and you see certain trends and themes on, on what's happening and looking at it across a period of time as well so you can then assess, well, nothing's really changed. We've had all these interventions. What's changed? Then you're in a, in a better position when you create those spaces for your your workforce to be able to engage and have a psychologically safe space to, to discuss those challenges. When you've got that information, you're then able to go, well, what more can we do? What haven't we thought of? And bring them along in that journey. Um, so I think there is, there's a reason why a lot of organizations at the moment have a spotlight on race specifically,
3: yeah.
2: uh, more so than any other uh, protected characteristic or social identity. A- and that's because when you look at information like bullying and harassment, when you look at data about promotion and recruitment and all of these things, by far, ethnicity is the biggest disparity in terms of advantage. Um, so naturally... If you tackle that, the other protected characteristics, it will open the avenues for those. So I think there needs to be clarity on what it is that you want to focus on. You can't do all of it. Mm. And it's not going to change overnight. It's a it's a, a, movement. It's a progressive thing. And you need to be consistent at it. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge for a lot of organizations at the moment. There's just so many different gaps. And it's like, which one do we go with? Um, and I think your your colleagues and your team will be able to answer that better than anyone, I think.
1: I think from our perspective in our organisation, I'm part of um, the the agenda for equality and inclusion, and I won't sit here and say I take it forward because it's for all of us. Just in a bit of a nutshell, we look at our res, our networks have got their action plans, but one thing that we're really focusing on is inclusion and what does inclusion mean? So what's inclusion is about? How are we branding our networks? What are we doing? So we've changed the name of our networks by asking our staff members. We've called the LGBTQ plus and allies by purpose because we don't, we don't think of these little things, but this enables people to feel psycholo- psychologically safe. So we're going out to our staff. We're not letting them come to us. We're saying to them, what do you need from us? We'll come to you. And again, our journey is transparent, and we have got all the strategic stuff around equality, diversity, and inclusion, and we have to meet that, like, you know, equality impact assessments, the res data, we've got to do that. But within that, we're really into focus groups, psychological safe environments, and spaces to learn, reflect, and develop. I think we've got some questions as well, Monique. We have, thank
3: you for that answer. So, Tia. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to quickly. Um, there's one in the chat that I just want to put forward first. So this one is from Gary, and his question is Can you explain the adult and parent analogy?
1: Yes, of course, Gary. So, the very much the parent state that Eric Byrne speaks about is, is very much around it comes from where you've grown up. Have you been in the military? How has your socialisation been in terms of how you approach people, how you get into circumstances? Eric Byrne did a lot of work around transactions and how we are towards people and how does our behaviour become. Adult, Eric Byrne said, is quite a reasonable state. And when you're in this adult state, you're reasonably assertive and you want to draw a conclusion. But the child state, he said, we think and feel and act like a child. Now that's not an insult, he says, because of psychological and sociological factors and the pandemic and lots of things, it can affect our behavior towards our, how we are towards people. So these are the analogies. And how you can use that in practices to think about, what state am I in today? How do I need to feel? How can I get to that adult-parent state? Yeah, thank you. We're,
2: we're, we're a species that react to how we feel so when you if you think about animals a zebra doesn't walk in in the the safari and go oh a lion might eat me and then run away it will only react when the lion's coming towards it whilst humans tend to behave differently just based on a on a thought so that tells you actually as well as with the power of that information actually that you can actually probably control the outcome of that what you can't control is certain things that happen around you but you can influence them so it's it's really good to kind of think about what it is you can control and what it is that you can influence as well in that situation
1: and I think just to add to that Monique sorry Monique it's this circle of influence and circle of control I'm going into that situation what can I influence and what can I control and how do I do that it'll reduce conflict it won't take it away so think about your circle
0: of influence and think about your circle of control
1: yeah
3: okay i
0: know you've got questions (laughs) (laughs)
3: okay so this one is from cheryl and the question is what are the benefits to an organization to have staff that take on the coaching approach
1: is that for me yeah go for it okay. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the benefits but... are you will have psychological safe environments you will have people who will feel psychologically safe you your unlock potential you'll enable people to make their own decisions we're very good at telling people as managers and we can because i'm a manager. life is so much easier when you can just say go and do this but with coaching we're enabling them to think for themselves we're using grow and we're developing them. So in a nutshell, in three words, it's about unlocking potential, talent management and enabling people to grow. Thank you, Tia.
3: Thank you. Okay, so the next question's for you, Ruby, and it's from Peter And the question is, how do you follow up if after a difficult conversation, how do you still feel unsupported and opportunities continue to be limited are we at development
2: that's a really good question um, a lot of people <laughs> are in those situations I think there's a, a point of you need to know whether this organization or this environment is the right environment for you and you need to assess and make a decision at some point when you've exhausted all of this feedback that we've just given, you've articulated yourself, you've been able to tell them what it, how it's impacting you, how that impacts your performance. You've done all of that stuff and it's still not going towards your favor. You've got two options. Your option one is either to then escalate that and, and, and go through a formal route and call it out in that way. Option two is you do that and, and then you find something else and an environment that you can grow and develop. Um, Because sometimes people just won't change um, and mindsets sometimes can be a bit closed. Um, And like Sat just mentioned, what's in your control and what's in your influence? If you can't influence that behavior by going through all those steps that we just uh, shared with you, then you have to reflect on whether this is the right place for you or not, I would say. Sat, do you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, and and briefly, Ruby, I think you're absolutely right. There's something about reflecting around whether the place is right for you. And there's something about seeing, well, are we living the values of the organisation? And what does that mean? And actually, can I be part of the change agent to influence my social structure to live those values? And I think that's really important. Thank you. Okay, Tia? Yeah, okay. So this question
3: questions for you stat um it's from an anonymous apologies uh that was a good scenario using the growing model very well acted in a case where the person being coached is struggling with options can the coach help i.e offer options
1: yeah that not really if you was if they you were they can but you can suggest you you know what i would say Oh, there's this big argument. Are we going into mentoring? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if we were very strict at coaching, I'm not saying they can't do it. But what I'm saying is there is there is this distinction between coaching and mentoring. It's not about not offering the options, but it's about saying to the, that person then, do you need a bit of coach, career coaching? Do you need some mentoring? Do you need something to think about those options? Because you can give those options to that person, absolutely to think about, but has that person's potential really been unlocked? So to this anonymous person, what I wanna ask you is yes, you can do it, but if you're enabling them to think for themselves, are you gonna be able to do that if you give them the options? Because you can do, because that will be easy as a manager. It's easy to do that, yeah? So the answer to your question is, if you want to, yes. But do they actually need mentoring? Because at this stage, they don't know what their options are. Yeah, thank you to
3: Thank you, sir. Okay, so the next question is for you, Ruby, and it's from Eva. And the question is, to what degree is representation important in the diversity and inclusion agenda? Spoke to a friend whose view is that openness and tolerance to others' background and views were more important. It just made me think about it, so I wanted others' thoughts on it too.
2: Thank you, Tia, and thanks, Eva, for that question. Um, it's interesting because you said how important is representation in the DNI agenda, and that understanding and being understanding of others is more important. You can't understand others if you don't have representation and diversity. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important because we live in a society that is extremely diverse in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And we don't have one type of community that we speak to, we see in a daily basis. So I think having that diverse representation allows you to be and gives you the environment and the opportunities to understand the differences and the similarities and, and the diversity in thought um, and acknowledgement of, of that diversity of thought actually. So I, I agree with you um, in, in, in both ways, but I think you need one to have to be able to do the other. Hope that's answered your question, Eva.
3: Great, thank you, Ruby. Okay, that's you, Seth. So this is from Matt. How do you help to build personal awareness and identification of blind spots?
1: Yeah, I think that's like saying, you know, it's really hard to understand somebody and understand somebody's brain. Again, Daniel Goldman did a lot of work around the brain and how people don't actually understand. It's like Jahari's window, isn't it? What is my blind spots and how do you do that? So I would say to you in a nutshell is, are you able to constructively have a courageous conversation with this person? Does this person need to have some training around their blind spots? Do they actually need a 360 appraisal if they're a manager? Yeah. Do they need some tools to be able to reflect on those blind spots? And actually sometimes you might do all of that, but that person will still not get their blind spots. So then it's about how do I work on that? How do I build that platform to support that person? And that will be a journey. And it might involve objectives. It might involve performance management at times as well. Cause you know, there, there's two sides of this. Sometimes a person, and we, we shy away from performance management, but we help, 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 support, 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 empower, empower, empower. But if behaviors don't change, is there that end outcome? Yeah, I don't know if you want to add to that, Ruby and Monique. Um, if you've got anything you so
0: I think I think what I would add on to that, and I'm just seeing Uzo's point in the chat as well, and something I would say is um, there will be situations that you just can't resolve. Yeah,
3: yeah. That doesn't
0: necessarily mean it's a failure. It does connect back to what Sat was saying is sometimes it comes to a point in time when. But the, I know, you guys will know, there's a term about holding the mirror up, isn't it? Yeah. And it's about how you use your approaches to hold the mirror up. And sometimes when you hold a mirror up, people don't want to look in it.
3: Yeah. And that's
0: why I was speaking at the beginning. Okay, we're all here in this space. So this is, you might feel, well, I'm here, but mindset, because we might be ready to do the work. We might be aware and might be very, I'm wanting to lead and behave in the right way. It doesn't mean that somebody else does but if we took Sat's advice about and under, understanding what he said us about active bystanders you almost feel that there's a um, about integrity isn't it to be able to try and find a way to have those conversations and as you say Sat if you are the person in that management position in that situation to be brave enough to go to performance management but to do that respectfully and if you do that respectfully you follow your processes sometimes that leads to really good outcomes yeah and it just plays to Uzo. i know you're switching that situation and saying you know you can be in a situation where someone likes to have exert command and control and usually when you see the behavior that you're talking about play out it's, it stems from insecurity in that person and that person may or may not be aware of it and they're not going to take to it kindly if who they think is their subordinate says Actually, I think you're really (laughs) insecure. They're not going to want to hear that, are they? Yeah. But I think it's that finding the way to try and um, explain professionally why some of their behaviour has a negative impact.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes, Moni, just to add to that, leaders sometimes struggle with leading and managing conflict and dealing with people. So what I would say to you in terms of your organisation, because we're doing this is actually, how are we putting that in our leadership training programmes? Because we forget those basics around. Some managers struggle with emotional intelligence. Some managers struggle with dealing with conflict. We need to educate them as well. And that's something we need to be clear about. I think to add to that,
2: Everyone has a different tolerance level to things. So mm. for instance, Great. I I might we've been all in this situation. I'm sure you can relate where you're in a work environment, you're working, your manager's bothering you. Oh God, here she goes again, or here they go again. Oh my god. And you just you don't say anything, you carry on until the next moment comes. And then it's perpetuating this type of behavior until so it gets to a point where your can is full and I can't, deal this. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't tolerate this. How do I now go and speak to this individual and say, this is how you're making me feel? So what I did recently, actually, this is something that's worked for me and it might be helpful for you guys. Over the past year, those little moments that bother me about how information is given or how timely it is or how I'm being spoken to, I very quickly have a conversation about it because it's a small little thing. But actually when the more often I'm having these conversation, at some point it may click with that person. She's told me once, twice, three times, let me switch it up or it might not. And that's when I then need to decide, can I continue doing this or not? Um, But practicing little small challenges sometimes can help you get Mm. to that big conversation that you wanna have.
1: Mm, And it's okay sometimes to do it wrong and think, I've made a mistake here, but I'm not going to take it to my next piece of practice or my Mm. next time I manage conflict. You know, Mm. I shouldn't have done it like that. That's okay. We're human beings. Ruby and Monique have said that. We make mistakes. It's fine. And I think think there's a lovely
0: point here is you can't always resolve conflict, but you should always feel feel good about how you handled it or how you tried to handle it. That's the thing, isn't it? That you tried to handle it. I think that's so, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we use this space to do what we've just done. And I think um, the questions and comments that we've had have been really helpful. I know we haven't got to all the questions today. I stand by what I normally say. Ruby and Sat have already agreed in advance. That they'll provide answers offline to any questions we didn't have time to get to so please don't worry if we missed your question and i will include that information at the end of the recording when it goes out on the podcast all right so don't feel that your question was asked in vain it wasn't but we've got just over 10 minutes left and i want us to be able to finish on time So I've had a go, I think I'm in the right place. If I quickly check my notes, I'm right. (laughs) It's takeaway time. So the top takeaways, there was so much today and I did say we're gonna get an email out and that my fan doesn't blow away my piece of paper. But what I picked up on and what I felt were the key takeaways today was number one, how to develop and use your own courageous conversations checklist. I think SAP gave you a nice list, but also Ruby and SAP took you through using the grow approach. And if I'm honest, I I would hope people have confidence to give that a try. And as Ruby said, maybe just taking a small step. If you haven't used it before, I hope that they've given you some confidence in how to do it. But I know there's a lot of you here today who have are trained coaches or have used coaching techniques, but just being aware that actually the coaching technique can be part of your courageous conversations, tools and checklists. So how to develop and use your own courageous conversation checklist. That's takeaway one. Takeaway two, Sat made a really helpful point. Think about your circle of influence and your circle of control. And I think that also connects to the very first point you made, Do I need to have this conversation? How important is it in the context of what I'm working is and how will it impact on me? I think that's important. And the last point that I just heard that I felt was really my kind of thing, keep it simple and take action, nipping it in the bud. You know, we heard Saks say again about trying not to let things spiral out of control. Ruby just saying, getting on top of if I see something, but I also heard Zach say, but still remember your checklist and doing it with respect, taking people to one side, et cetera. So nipping it in the bud. And I think that connects to being an, how to be an active bystander. So if it's not affecting you directly, but you can see something. And I even say it as I used to get that feeling, that feeling in my tummy, that feeling of you no, know, that comment, mm, no. Or everyone's talking about something. I'm thinking, what? That doesn't sound right. That's going to impact on whoever. Or someone making a derogatory comment about someone and thinking it's okay. And you know, thinking that's offensive. That's rude. Or that would you say that in front of them if they were here? All that I know, I've been there, and I felt shaken, visibly shaken. You know, feeling shaken when I want to say. I'm not comfortable with that. And I think with active bystanding, if, if you don't have confidence to anything, even just to be able to put that marker down, I don't know what it is, but I don't feel comfortable. That still is putting a marker down and that's still being brave to say that, even if you're not sure what it is, or even if you don't want to say anymore, more, just, just to say, I don't feel comfortable, because people will remember that. They will remember that someone said that and it will nibble them as well. So nipping it in the bud, I think is the third thing, okay? So those are the takeaways for today and I'll get those out, I'll try and tweet straight after if I can to get those out for you. But what I wanted to do now is, Tia, I think I need my slide. If I remember, I think I'm at the right point and I need my slide. So we've come to the end, as we said, we've come to the end of the series, and there were two things that I wanted to do. So today I haven't got a fresh book recommendation, because if you remember, if you click on one more for us, Tia. There you go. So two things. I think I might have my slides back to front. So let me go with what this slide says. So. Someone fed back to me saying, you know, Monique, um, I think we've learned so much on this series and it would be really good to hear people's reflections. And I felt that person must've been reading my mind because what I offer two people, um, a one hour, one-to-one coaching session with me. And the reason why I wanna offer this is because I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of when we were talking about next steps in session five and session six, how many of you were think we you know we spoke we spoke in depth didn't we about coaching mentoring development programs and we touched on shadowing as well but i know that some of you are in the spaces of what we're talking about where coaching absolutely most probably is the right next step for you and i have been on this wonderful systemic coaching program that i'm on now and i would love to be able to give some time and give some of that back to two people who have been here with me on this journey but to enter this competition, your takeaway action is the competition entry. So I'd like you to send me a two minute video clip because I'd like to hear you talk to me in your own words. I'd like to hear you express it in your way. Your reflection on what you've learned from the series, what practical steps you've taken since attending to be yourself, back yourself and make it happen. And this third one is really important for me actually, because you'll know about me and I very much believe in encouraging and supporting others, what you're doing or planning to do to support and encourage others. So I will email this out to you. The closing date is the end of the month. And as you can see here, winners will be notified by the 13th of August. And I'm asking that you then undertake the session with me, if you are a lucky winner, one of those two lucky winners, that we have that session before the end of August, okay? So that's the takeaway action. Even if you don't want to um, enter into the competition, I would still encourage you to do these three steps. If you remember, the takeaway action from the last session was about protecting 15 minutes a week as a minimum of self-reflection time. So even if you don't want to enter the competition, please do use your 15 minutes this week or within the coming weeks and reflect on these three points and answer them for yourself. I really would encourage you to do that. can we go to the next slide please thank you very much so like i said i'm not recommending a book because i've got a pile here of six that i've already recommended to you and i'd like to give you some time over the summer to get through them but just to say anyone who has attended all seven sessions and before today's ses- session we had 15 people who have been on the journey with me live in every session and i hope those 15 people are here today you'll be entered into a prize draw to receive a copy of all six books and you can see here when the winner will be notified so follow me on twitter if you're not already connect with me in linkedin if you're not because you know i would tweet and i post about this all the time all right so i hope that If you have won one of the books already, I'll take that one out and send you the other five, if you then all six you could be that lucky winner if you've been with me on all seven sessions. Now I just want to give the last few minutes to Ruby and Sat to just wrap up, Ruby normally does my closing. One final thing I wanted to say to you all was though, I know you may be thinking what next? You'll know that I've left the NHS and that I am pursuing my movement of building this movement of brave leaders. I do want to know your views. I really want to know from you what you feel the gaps are in your leadership development and career journey and how I may help to fill those gaps moving on from the webinar series. So with your permission, I will be in touch with you more. I will be asking, there's a question on the feedback form. So Tia, if you could drop the feedback form link into the chat for me. Please, 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 can I beg of you to give me the time to just fill out the feedback form. It won't take you more than five minutes, but there's an important question on there for uh, me asking about what would be right and what would be most useful for you as coming next. So please do answer that for me, but I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna say thank you so much for all your time, for your energy, for going with me in this space, for staying with me in this space, for pressuring me to do this. Um, I've enjoyed it, but I'm tired. And I'm looking forward to my summer
2: break. So I will hand over to Ruby to wrap up for us. Thank you Monique. Um, Before I wrap up, I've got two minutes and I'm counting. Um, I just want to say what a huge, huge pleasure it has been for myself and I know Tia feels exactly the same um, having this opportunity to work with you you are an absolute inspiration you have got me through so many hard times and so many challenging times Me, I can't express to you your expertise and knowledge and and how you just impart that wisdom on everyone else it's just it amazes me so when you ask that question right at the beginning on your first who inspires you <laughs> You're one of my people that inspires me. I okay. can see nodding as well. So I just wanted thank to say you. thank you for everything that you do. But um, you. no worries. But back to Monique's point. So you will get an email of all of these, your takeaway actions, the books, more information about Monique's podcast, which is the next thing. And you'll be able to hear all of these webinar sessions on there. Um, but what, what I really wanted to also say is that a big part of of, of this session has been the energy um, and the interaction and the engagement that we're getting from people. Um, we all feel, I hope you all feel that you can be your authentic self. Um, so I was going to talk a little bit really quickly, me and Sat, about a podcast that we're planning on putting together. And it is all about inclusion and, and diversity and equity. So, as part of the email that you will get, we may also ask you for your feedback and ideas on what type of topics you'd like to be discussed on that podcast.
0: There was so much covered in that session. I really hope you found it useful. The energy in the room in the live session was absolutely electric, but most importantly, it was honest as well. I really felt that people shared honestly and openly about what they did and didn't understand and why. And I really hope that listening to that and hearing the practical steps of how you can have a courageous conversation will build confidence for you if it's something that you have been putting off or holding yourself back from doing. You heard that we've reached the end of the series. This is the end of series one, but listen out for series two. Depending on when you're listening to this, series two may be uploaded already. Series two of my podcast is going to be a solo run from me, sharing more of my thoughts, feelings and views on being a brave leader and more about my experience in my... leadership journey so far why because as I said in the episode earlier brave leadership is hard it's not a walk in the park but I honestly believe it is the right way to lead serve and influence others so and as this episode is titled I really want to support you to be brave thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed it If you did, please leave me a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. Can you please also share this with friends, family members or colleagues? I'd really appreciate it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Monique Carriol or connect with me on LinkedIn if you haven't already. I'm Monique Carriol on there too. And also click the links in the show notes to join my mailing list. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode. Take care and see you soon.